everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. Oh man, it's almost over. Advent, four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And I thought I'd bring out the wreath. Some years we have this out all Advent long, but haven't you enjoyed the videos that we've had to, uh, to prepare us uh, for, for the time and the word? Outstanding, and uh, i just really amazed at uh, how well those are done. Um, this morning, I, I, I'm bringing the wreath up here, and I want to talk about what it means briefly, and then I want to talk uh, of what it meant and what it means, okay? Uh, this Advent wreath and how we apply it to our life today. And uh, the word Advent uh, is this, and a lot of you may be familiar with this. Some of you may not be if you didn't grow up in, in more historical churches where they had wreaths and where they practiced Advent and had a liturgy that went with it. But Advent in the Latin literally means coming and uh, that anticipation of, of what's, what's coming and what's ahead uh, in, in, with respect to Christ's uh, arrival in Bethlehem and his, his birth. And uh, here's a little breakdown of history and practice. It began around in the 300s, around 4th century, and it actually started as a time of fasting and prayer for those who were coming to faith. Isn't that interesting? And uh, then it, it, it just grew into the whole month of December as they practiced uh, uh, the Western church uh, celebrated Christ's birth uh, on the 24th, 25th. Today, it's anticipation and expectation of the birth of Christ. And, and again, four Sundays, <clears throat> excuse me, that lead up to, uh, to uh, the Christmas and then uh, uh, the days in between preparing. In fact, um, there's, there's an Advent wreath that we have here here, but the first Advent wreath showed up kind of recently in church history. When you think of the third and fourth century, <clears throat> excuse me, it showed up uh, in the in, in Germany in the in the late 1830s. Okay, like 1839, a a uh, uh, a pastor in a Lutheran church took a wagon wheel and he got 20 candles, red candles and four white candles. And the red candles for one for each day of December, and then the white ones were the Sundays in December. <clears throat> and that was the first uh, wreath or Advent candle type thing. And then it developed into this, this green wreath that you see here. And it's symbolic. It's kind of rich with symbolism. Um, the circle, of course, is the, just the eternal love of God that is, is present in our lives that we've encountered in Jesus. The greenery, we can appreciate this. I think that's why it probably started in the Northern Europe because uh, the, the greenery is important to those of us who uh, say goodbye to foliage and green around October, right? Uh, September. And, uh, and so then the leaves drop and that kind of that death of winter, it's the hope that there's something eternal working in the world. This green, evergreen is the fact that there's an ever-present spirit in Christ our Lord, and that there's an ever-present uh, life to, to be expected, not only, not only in the future, but even now. So that's that ever-green. And then you have pine cones in here. And when you think of a seed falling into the ground, what happens? It bears life, right? It has to seemingly die. And that, of course, points to the most amazing thing in the Christian faith. FYI, it wasn't the barn in Bethlehem, it was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there's some pine cones up here screaming resurrection. And oh, I should have had the berries first because that's the blood of Jesus. That's, that's what he shed for us on the cross, his beautiful sacrifice that we celebrate at Easter time. 
and the candles. Okay, I want to just briefly, my introduction, it's going to be the longest introduction in the history of Pastor Brian's preaching, okay? Uh, and it's not all that long, so just relax. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's so beautiful, the imagery here, but the candles we light, this first candle here is the candle of hope. And it's called, it's called the prophetic or the prophet's hope because it speaks of those scriptures throughout the Old Testament that are just crying out and prophesying and foretelling of a deliverer. Again, we went through the story from Genesis to Revelation last year, and it was so cool to see, uh, well, and, and, and sad to see the years, the centuries that Israel was under foreign rule. And sometimes it was, uh, be, they were being exiled into foreign countries, Babylon and Assyria, and, and, uh, and Egypt was always at the, at the, at the back door, biting at their heels. And, and so the prophets were prophesying that someday there was going to be a deliverer. And we see this, Isaiah especially speaks of this in chapter nine. He says, for, un, for to us, a child is born and to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace uh, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So what's that saying? It's saying the responsibility to rule is going to rest on this one coming. This is very messianic. We're not just talking about another king in Israel. We're talking about the king of all kings who's going to come and to bring freedom and, and deliverance and authority to Israel and, and to, to redeem them and to, and to restore their, their identity. And, but I love how the prophet ended that of his greatness and of his government and peace, there'll be no end. So it's going to go beyond the borders of Judea and Samaria and the Galilee to the uttermost parts of the world. And that's why we're here today celebrating in this Advent Sunday. Uh, so here's, a, here's something else we see, the second candle here. We would have lit this one, and we were seeing the videos as, the, as, our, as our December has, has gone, a beautiful picture here of faith. And it's oftentimes called the Bethlehem candle. Uh, and when you think of Bethlehem, one of my favorite scriptures at Christmas time comes from Micah, where it says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So there's this little, he's a, he's a minor prophet, Micah, and he's proclaiming, you know, in the middle of his writing, this thing just jumps out and he goes, but Bethlehem, someone's going to come from you. And sure enough, uh, we talked about it a little bit last week. And, and this whole idea of faith, uh, uh, Mary has this encounter with a live angel and she's kind of overwhelmed. And the angel says, you don't have to be so worried, Mary, the, the Lord's with you. And he speaks to her. And when the angel, when the, when the whole conversation ends, which is, I mean, it's life changing. It's reputation changing. Uh, the implications are, are overwhelming. It's an unplanned pregnancy. And this thing is happening to Mary. And when it's all over, here's her statement of faith. I am the Lord's servant. It doesn't matter what people say or how they look at me or what may happen. If I may, if I may be uh, uh, persecuted, it doesn't matter. I belong to the Lord and he, may your word to me be fulfilled. Don't you love that? Isn't that a faith statement? You should probably just pen that, write that on the back of your hand. That's how we respond in those moments where we need to take that step of faith. That's how Mary did it. And then I love how Joseph, you know, he had the dream of the angel. He didn't get the real thing. He gets the dream. And when he awoke, he, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. 
Now, how many of you get up from your dream and do what that dream told you to do? Thank God you don't in most cases, right? Unless you know it's a God dream. So that's that. We got Joseph. And then uh, we have joy as well. This third candle this is a, this is kind of a rose colored one. It looks pink to me, but we'll call it rose. All right. And it, because it represents joy and joy is so important in the Christmas story and in the Advent wreath. And uh, it's, it's, it's the shepherds, right? And they're out on the hillside and these poorest of poor, the outcasts of society, they, they encounter an angel. And then before long, a whole multitude of angels show up and they're glorified. God and they're praising God and 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 then they 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 send him in they send the angels into Bethlehem and and when they're done seeing Jesus the only people to witness Jesus at his birth uh because the Magi came later, I'm sorry to have to tell you that's probably a couple years later, all right? But we'll just, if you want to believe the Magi, the wise men were there that night, that's fine. Uh, we know there weren't cats, dogs, or, my, or chickens, although there may have been. Maybe our kids last week were spot on. You have to look at the video and see, okay? But look at this. I love this. They, they left glorifying and praising God. They were filled with joy for all the things that they had heard and seen. And that's that's a, that's a beautiful picture of, of, the, of the actual encounter in Bethlehem, the encounter at Christ's arrival. And then the final one there you see is the angel's candle, and that's that one of peace. And, and that's where uh, throughout the narrative, whether it's Zechariah or Mary or Joseph or the shepherds, the angels are saying, hey, relax Relax, don't be afraid. And then what, they, what, they, they, what the multitude speaks over uh, the shepherds that night on the hillside outside of Bethlehem, uh, a peace on earth uh, to those on whom his favor rests. Luke chapter 2 there, verses 13 and 14. Beautiful. And so that's, that's the Advent candle. And we take that and we celebrate it and, and, and we love it. And it just reminds us, doesn't it? You have, you have hope and, I mean, you have... You have the peace that we just talked about. You've got faith and you've got joy and all these very poignant and very descriptive encounters that those who were waiting and those who were experiencing Christ's arrival. Now, here's what's interesting is the Advent doesn't stop with what happened historically. The Advent isn't just the coming of Christ in the, in the manger, but the church has always celebrated not just Bethlehem on that first Christmas, but it has celebrated our longing for the coming of Jesus Christ and his return. Now he came and he lived and he, 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 he ministered and he did supernatural things and he went to the cross and he died. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead and, and the Christian faith and the Holy Spirit came upon those early believers and the church was formed and it was launched. But the advent as a second coming is so important. And I just want to kind of, I just want to look at this for the next few minutes that we today, because it's, it's, uh, it's not just looking back, but it's looking forward. It's a hope. It's a hope that's blessed. Okay. And, and in, in fact, the early church, when Paul wrote to Titus, who was a young believer and leader in the early church, he said this, he said, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age. So here's Paul writing 
to Titus, a young, you know, a young um, uh, mentoree, a young disciple, somebody who's leading in the church. Paul's the apostle. He would be the one that is, uh, is, is kind of like the, the teacher and the instructor. And, uh, but look at that. What grace is doing, it's offering salvation to all people. That's why we open up our arms to everyone we come in contact to show the grace of God, to introduce them to Jesus. Um, we believe that Christ is for everyone and that uh, come and taste and see, as the psalmist said, that the Lord is good. And we need to make the flavor of Christ and his cross and the kingdom palatable to those we come in contact with. It teaches us this grace to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. All right, so there's something at work in you if you're following Jesus today that's teaching you to say no. Just say no to ungodliness. Man, oh man, we live in a culture today where it's like everything goes and don't tell me what I do is wrong. And we probably shouldn't tell people who aren't following Jesus that what they're doing is wrong. I, I have to spend enough time just focusing on my own life and, and, and allowing the grace to come in and bring godliness and Christ-like character in my life. But for the church, there's a call to godliness. There's a call to uh, rid ourselves of wicked behavior and to pursue purity in our lives. This is good stuff, isn't it? This is what grace is doing in our lives. And, uh, and I like that. Eager to do what is good. Now, this isn't the end of the sentence because the best part, I mean, this, this point has to have a point. All right. So here's the point. The, oh, and I missed it. Here we go. Let's see if I got it. Well, we wait for the blessed hope. So grace is doing all these things. The early church, Paul's writing to these, this early church through Titus, and he's saying, and you're waiting for the blessed hope, that blessed hope, the appearing, what is it? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. What's he talking about? Christ left, and just before he ascended, he said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to this planet. I am returning to this planet Earth. I'll be gone, but I'm coming back. And that's the blessed hope that every Christian since, since Christ's departure has been believing and longing for. It's a part of our advent. It's a part of that coming, that anticipation of the coming of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord. And it's going to be greater than the birth in the barn. It's going to be spectacular. And we'll see why it is in just a second here. But isn't that good? And, and you see how grace kind of turns into a, a it, it, grace takes on a face. Do you see it? Through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who redeems us from wickedness and purifies us for himself, a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Grace has a face today. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And that's the grace that God has sent into the world. And it's the blessed hope in us that, that he's coming again. And there are some days that we wake up and we flip on CNN or Fox News or just the local channel. And we say, oh, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. This is getting cray cray. This thing is out of control. Right? Cray cray means really crazy for those of you. Those of you who aren't as culturally current as I am. Uh, I mean, when things are wild and oh, you know, you know, I know those things because I have daughters. Okay, I have kids. That's it. Oh, we don't say that in church. Oh, now I'm getting my daughter giving me hard times in the front. No, don't know. I'm in trouble. Okay, so anyway, so listen, this is good stuff because I love that the fact that, 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 that this hope is, is blessed by God and it's what, and you know what? If you don't think about it, there are days you can't help but think about it, but we need to understand that this is not it. Whether you get 50, 60, 
80, 90. My grandfather lived to 100 years old, and in his 101st year, he checked out of here. I won't probably see that. I've eaten way too many pizzas in my life. But I'm telling you something. I'm telling you something. This is not the end. There's a hope that the church, and it's a part of our Christian faith, that Jesus Christ is going to visit this planet, and not just visit this planet, but then it gets really good. Look at here. The, the very end of the book the Bible says this, then I saw, and John's having this revelation at the very end. I saw heaven and a new earth, a new earth. The earth is going to be made new and, and, and the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. I'm not going up. He's coming down. His space is, I know I got in trouble. I always do that. Forgive me. Forgive me. Um, I, all right. I'm not even going to say the word rapture. Okay. Jesus is coming again. And he's coming to this planet and he's going to restore this world. And this is what Isaiah was. These are words right out of the book of Isaiah. This is what, this is what God was speaking hundreds of years before John the Revelator was writing this end time. And he was echoing it as he saw the end time. That, that this, this, uh, this, I saw a new heaven and earth right out of Isaiah 60 something. Uh, uh, and look at that. He will wipe every tear from their eyes right out of the Old Testament of what God is going to do. God has a plan and, and, and there's a coming, coming, there's an advent and it's going to be profound. Isn't that? Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He's not in a distant space anymore. Oh, thank God for his Holy Spirit because we feel very close to God through the gift of the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus. Amen. But look at this. There's going to come a day when the new Jerusalem is coming to this planet and it's going to be renewed and, and, this is good. His space is going to be our space. He's going to be occupying our space. And what happens then? There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. The tears will be wiped away. I don't know what your tears are. I don't know what your pain is. I don't know what your brokenness is, what your sickness is. I, I know this. You can, we, we may experience health on this side of the new Jerusalem, but for sure, the hope is that he's coming again. And all that stuff in the presence of God is going to be removed from our planet. All right. So I don't know all this stuff. It's still, we look into a, into a glass kind of dimly as we talk about end times. But I just love what we see there in Revelation about the hope, the blessed hope of the presence of the Lord. So let's move along. I love that. And that's why I stayed longer on that scripture. But look at this. Here's another one. <laughs> As we look at the faith candle, how do we apply that to today and to our advent? Uh, uh, the other side of the Bethlehem barn, faith. Well, faith, I think the first thing is, is our, our belief. It starts with God's love for us that whoever, whosoever believes in him, we won't perish. Uh, we have an eternal life. We have life right now. There's some of us, forget about heaven. We, we are perishing right where we're at. And we need to encounter the Christ of the cross, the gift of God through Jesus Christ, uh, so that we can begin to live now before we live forever. For too long, I think we just hang out at this screen. Oh, yeah, it's our big heaven verse. It's our now verse that prepares us in, for the kingdom now, for the, the kingdom now, for the kingdom that's to come. Learn to live in the kingdom now for the kingdom that's going to fully come when New Jerusalem comes down. So uh, I'm not really using my notes. I, I wasn't going to bring them up here. I was going to show you that I don't need my notes this morning. They're just all up on the overhead here. Faith is essential. And look at this. Uh, in Mark chapter 9, 
there comes a time when we, we have to uh, have a desperate faith in life because we, we run into walls, we run into difficult times. Desperate faith is this. Do you remember the woman? Do you remember the woman who had the issue of blood, who uh, she was just hemorrhaging and, and she worked her way through the crowd and she just touched Jesus' garment and she was healed. That was desperate. Jesus said, who touched me? He felt something go out of him, like a virtue of healing. That's desperate faith. And this is a great picture of desperate faith as well here in Mark 9. This is a, a man who comes to Jesus, and Jesus, and this, this man's son, since birth, has been troubled by a spirit. And he's just, he's throwing himself in fire. He's out of control. And, and, and he's, just, he's just tormented by an evil spirit. And the man says to Jesus, if you can do anything... If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. You can imagine the family and the torment of their child. Jesus said to him, if you can, look at that exclamation point. What? If I can? Where's your faith? You know, all things are possible for one who believes. And look at this. I love this. Immediately the father of the child cried. The little translation is he began to weep. I mean, we're not just crying out. We're talking tears. And he's saying, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Listen, that may be exactly where you're at today. It may be exactly. You, you, you may have enough faith to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. But my conditions, the battle I'm in right now, where I'm at in my job, relationship, work, whatever it is, I am just being beat down emotionally. My soul is in, in pain. Maybe physically you're in pain. And, and there's like not a lot of faith and I just, I can, we can so relate to the cry of this man. I believe, Jesus, that you can do something. I believe you can open up heaven right now where I'm at. Would you help my unbelief? Because my unbelief seems to eclipse my belief. And there's times in that desperate, that desperate cry for, uh, for, for faith, uh, I believe that's when we see the gifting of the Holy Spirit. You can see this in 1 Corinthians 12, where, where there's like these specific gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. And we know they're not all inclusive. There's probably all kinds of gifts because he's God. But there's one gift that is that of faith. And be aware that at your lowest point that the Holy Spirit can infuse you with hope and with faith that you didn't even think was possible. Uh, and that oftentimes comes and our places of desperation. So here's, a, here's another thing to see here. Joy is a choice. Romans 12, verse 12. I love this. Paul's writing to the church there at Rome. And he says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I like that. Joyful in hope. That's this rose-colored candle. Be joyful in in our lives. It's, it's that choice to, uh, to, to walk in, in joy. Uh, and it's regardless of circumstances. It's regardless of what we're going through. I, I, I think of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. They're out serving the Lord, doing a good thing, preaching the gospel, preaching Jesus Christ to a, uh, to a, um, a Gentile world where it was like going right over a lot of their heads. And he, they were doing it with power and demonstration of the spirit. And, and they get rounded up one day and they get the fire beat out of them. I mean, they just literally stripped them, the authorities, and they beat them and they threw them in a jail, a Philippian jail. 
It's one thing to go to jail. It's another thing to get beaten and then thrown in jail. And, and some of your translations say they put them right and they, they want to make sure that they were really locked up. So they shackled their legs and stuck them in an inner cell and they, they placed them in there. And, and then at midnight, they started a, a, a praise, a praise, a praise celebration. I just call it midnight praise. And they began to sing hymns. They began to praise the Lord. They began to pray and when, when I think I probably would have been kicking the wall, Debbie, don't say, yeah. I mean, everybody would have felt that. <laughs> oh, you're, you're thinking of yourself. I'm sorry. Don't amen me at that point there, my, my lack of spirituality. And you think of it, though. I mean, your body's still broken from the beatings. You've been stripped and you've been thrown in a cell. And these, this isn't like the, the, the Dane County Jail. These are very primitive conditions. And Paul and Silas start a praise service at midnight. And then God shows up. And, and he shakes the ground. And, and, and the jails, the doors open up. Their shackles fall off. And the rest is history. A church was birthed out of that. The jailer who thought he was going to have to commit suicide came to Christ. And his whole family was baptized. But look at that. Uh, joy is, is a choice. That song that we are singing today was just so brilliant. I just love those lyrics. I'm going to raise that. By the way, Paul and Silas were singing this song that night in the Philippian jail. All right. I'm going to raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'm going to raise a hallelujah louder than my unbelief. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. And that's exactly what happened. And that's what's happening for you as you realize, as you wait his coming, the Lord knows it's going to be tough. He knows tomorrow may be worse than today. It may be better. If not, next month will probably be worse than two months ago. It's a part of this world we live in that's broken and frail. But you know what? There's a divine supernatural dimension that flows from the Holy Spirit, from the throne of grace, from Jesus himself into the hearts of his believers. And you can have testimonies. Probably today we could get testimonies of people who've had almost as dramatic an experience as God coming through in their jail, uh, in their place of bondage and brokenness and being beat down where you chose to praise. You chose to give thanksgiving. I like what Psalm chapter 50 verse 23 says in the King James says, whoso offereth praise glorifies me. And that praise is, a, is an offering of thanksgiving. And it's the word todah. And it's, it's just an ambitious praise. And, it, and God's saying, it doesn't matter where you're at today. It doesn't matter how difficult your, your journey is. I, he's saying, I dare you to offer a midnight praise. I dare you to offer the, the, the song of thanksgiving even amidst your battle and, and, and raise the hallelujah. Raise the hallelujah over your condition and see what happens. Good stuff. I mean, this is good Christmas Advent stuff. It's so good I'm sweating this morning. I think it's this sweater, this Christmas, this ugly Christmas sweater. No, this is not ugly. But just to let you know, those of you listening, the thousands listening by a podcast, we are experiencing a Texas Christmas this year. And um, in fact, one of my favorite golf courses is having a ugly sweater foursome today. Can you believe it? They're golfing today. And so that, that is a total rabbit trail. When I thought of this sweater, I thought I should go. This may not be ugly enough, but I need a foursome and, uh, and go to golf because we don't normally golf in December, right, folks? Say it really loud so people can hear that. Right, folks? Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, because we live in Wisconsin. A week ago, it was five degrees when we got up on Monday morning. This is, this is crazy, isn't it? Okay, back to my point. I just love that song, though, don't you? I mean, oh, man, that, I, we could sing that every Sunday as far as I'm concerned because so many of us need uh, the joy as a choice in our lives. How about this one right here uh, as we just kind of wrap it up this morning? Peace, in fact, I invite the worship team to come. Peace is present, Peace is present. Now, where, where am I going with that? In Hebrews 1.14, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So here's what the New Testament writers and early believers believed, is that there were spirits, angelic spirits, who literally uh, uh, ministered to those who know Christ and those who follow Christ, those who inherit salvation, which that's, you know, you know, it's not your pedigree. It's, it's, it's the grace of Christ that, that brings us to that place of salvation. And, and that's all of us today. They're literally our ministering spirits, angels sent to serve those who inherit and angels in the, in the first Christmas story, we're saying things like fear, not don't be dismayed. Don't be troubled. And I want you to see something. God's angels Proclaim peace to our troubled condition, to our troubled soul. Now, there's another angel that's uh, an, an, an angelic, I shouldn't say angel, but spiritual force in the world today. And Brittany and I were having lunch yesterday. We do our annual shopping together. She buys all my wife's gifts and I follow her around by her lunch. But actually, that's not the case. Sorry, Debbie. I should have. I should have had you plug your ears there. You know that. Uh, but actually, I found the good deals. I just want you to know, and Brittany will tell you that. I, I just love to have a daddy-daughter date. And I could do it on my own. I just have to hang out with Britt. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Uh, we're talking about this because we don't talk about this enough. Uh, these angels, remember last week I said, man, if you have an angelic visitation, uh, write a book, you'll make a lot of money, you know. And, and the truth is, we may be entertaining angels because it's an unseen area. And here's how the early church understood this, those closest to Jesus. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, he said, we don't struggle against flesh and blood. It's not your neighbor. It's not your husband. It's not your mother-in-law. It's not, it's not your professor. It's not your boss. The struggle is not against flesh and blood, so quit treating them like they're the devil because the struggle is against the devil. Rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Here's what the scriptures teach. Here's what Christ taught. Here's what the early church taught. There is, There are spirits that are fallen, demonic, devil, Satan, Lucifer, whatever. This isn't the time to go into teaching on this, but the fact is there is a realm that we don't see that's trying to attack, especially those who are committed to following Jesus Christ. Now, we don't have to fear that. We just need to stay close to the Lord, follow Christ. And then we saw here, we've got ministering angels. We've got those who, but you need to understand something. The, 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 the first Christmas people were frightened by these angels, probably because you just get frightened when things that are unseen become seen. But here's the thing, is we have peace in the present because in the present, we have the power of the Spirit and the power of the living God working in and through us and even using, sometimes we probably, you know, how many times have angels saved my life? You know, I'm just a typical guy. I've done some stupid things and I, I, God probably, it's not his time yet. Would you rescue that, that 
numbnut. Could you do that? You know, like the time I bungee jumped and it was safe, but uh, it's very safe to do that. Do it sometime. Uh, but the, the thing is, is uh, you, you do things that, re- but how many times do we see, and I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but truth is what we don't see is probably the thing that's the most prevalent in our day-to-day walk in Christ. There is an unseen world and there is, um, and, 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 and we connect to it with faith. And through prayer and joy and worship, and we connect with it through just uh, offering our hearts to Him and, and continuing that hope, keeping hope alive for what Christ has in store for all of creation, all of His church, all the world in the days to come. That's it. Here's one more scripture. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. We were talking about this, Brittany, because there's a pastor that doesn't really talk this way and think this way. And then God has encountered him. He gave him one of these encounters where he he literally, you know, someone was there, little girl, next thing you know, she was gone. And what she spoke to him in that moment was exactly what the Lord was telling him to begin to teach on. I think he's written a book on this now, but don't, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So be at peace. The God we serve loves us and the ministering agents that he's surrounding us with love God and they love us and they're there to serve us and you don't know when you're serving one of them. Uh, we don't chase angels. There were those in the early church that worshiped them and they got all weird. Don't have to do, but just as we worship Jesus, recognize there's an unseen realm and God is sovereign over that realm. No matter how ugly it gets, no matter how dark it gets, we now have the light of the world. First and foremost in our, in our hearts and in our lives, but not to stay there. This is the light of mine. And let's shine. We used to sing that as kids all over. Don't hide it under a bush. Don't keep it inside. This season, let it go. We'll talk about that on Tuesday night. Come on out Tuesday night. It's going to be beautiful. It's one of the best services of the year. Thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for Advent. Thank you for those who waited and longed for and experienced the first Christmas. Thank you for those of us who live on the other side of Christmas and the other side of the cross, who hope and long for a blessed return of our King and our Savior and our Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the, for the joy that you bring and the peace that you bring and, and the faith that you're growing up in us, Lord, that we would be vessels of faith ready to pray and to stand and to believe that mountains can be moved in our lives and in the lives of those you bring across our paths. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Lord, I pray for those who will travel, those who will go and maybe not be with us on Tuesday. We pray for your safety. Lord, we pray that you would uh, surround our cars as we travel the road with your ministering servants and agents. We thank you, Lord, that we, uh, we are not alone even when we feel alone. Uh, and Lord, I pray, Lord, for those who have felt like they're in a prison, a Philippi prison today, God, that somehow you would break through as they lift their hallelujahs to you, God, and that the chains would come off, those shackles would be released, and that this would be a season, this Advent season, Lord, where they walk forth in total freedom. I ask this, Jesus, in your name. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand together. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.ridgeway.church.